Hello, welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Joey. Hello there. And before we get started today, we have some exciting news. Uh, We here at Affable Chat received some uh, fan mail. Uh, Shout out to Lauren from Scotland, who sent us an email. Uh, You can find her on Twitter, at SureLauren, or her Instagram, Lauren.ds, and that's Lauren with a Y. Yes. Uh, anyone else, if you uh, if you want to send us fan mail at, to our Gmail, AffableChat at Gmail, we do read them and we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much, Lauren. Okay, let's get this episode started. Today we're talking about a movie that is titled The Shawshank Redemption. It is a drama. Directed by Frank Darabont. Uh, the cast includes Norville Barnes, God's Voice, and William Defoe. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? The Google Play Services. Excellent. If you want to check it out, those are two places you can find it. Yes. Joey, go ahead and hit us with that synopsis. Okay. Morgan Freeman recounts the life of his badass best friend. Yes, sir. That is The Shawshank Redemption, a movie that I have not seen before. We decided to review it on this podcast. Very, very, very highly rated film. A, a yes. film that without... I, I knew nothing about... I mean, I knew it was about prison, and I knew that it had Morgan Freeman in it, obviously. <laughs> because how could you ever make The Shawshank Redemption without Morgan Freeman? That's so... That's like the most obvious casting choice ever. Um, and I like to think that this movie lived up to that extreme hype. Really? Yes. That's interesting. I was wondering about that because we had that whole conversation about hype in the past. And um, yeah, this movie is consistently, it has been on like IMDb's number one movie, uh, best rated movie by users for like years. It, it is number one still, even yes. after Solo came out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but being serious, uh, I mean, I... <laughs> I think this movie has an amazing story, like original. Uh, I mean, it's a great, just front to back. It tells a compelling, has a compelling plot, uh, extremely real world uh, kind of feel, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. I, it's mm. depressing, uh, and I and that for me, I think is a good thing. It really evo- evokes that emotion, uh, and then it leverages that depression into moments of sheer beauty. Um, yes. Obviously, Morgan Freeman's narrating is top tier. A man who's known for narration, I think this may be his uh, best work. Uh, this movie is quotable, it's memorable, and it's worthy of the high praise it has received. Yeah, I completely agree with all those, and especially with the like le- leveraging the depression thing. I think the sad points just make like the happier points shine so much brighter, which is why this movie is so memorable. Is that kind of depth of emotion. And that roller coaster that you go on throughout this whole movie, and it's it's long, but it doesn't feel long, which I think is a, a really kind of a testament to it. Because there's lots of movies that just feel like they drag on, but this movie you can't like you don't want it to be over. Yeah, it kind of if anything, the length is necessary to uh, you know for for the length of the things that happen. In this movie, this yeah, movie takes yeah. over it's over 19 years long. Yes, it's ridiculous. I mean, it it, it shows you all these different pieces of that. Um, in, in a really amazing way. So yeah, that's all our pros. I really, really struggled to find any cons <laughs> with this movie. I okay. So for me, returning to this movie, 
I feel like the prison setting is a little bit dated. Like the idea, like what, what happens in the prison, just kind of the, the whole prison itself doesn't feel like it's as relevant today as it was probably when it came out. Or maybe maybe it's an accurate reflection of what a prison was like in 1947, but I don't feel like it's an accurate representation of what prison is like today. I feel like today it's probably probably what much worse. Okay. But yeah. but I think that also helps it in a way. I think this movie allows you to engage on it as pris- for with the prison as a metaphor more so than an actual place. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, be careful. This is the cons. <laughs> don't be turning this into a pro now. Um, yeah, I I really. I don't think that I'm. I've reached that level uh, as a film critic. I definitely don't consider myself <laughs> a film critic. But I don't think I'm. I don't think I am good enough at like watching movies to find real problems with this one. I, I just amazing. Uh, I would like. Uh, I, I'm. I will come at it with a ridiculous nitpick because okay. this movie does fail the Bechdel test. Oh uh, gosh. Because it's an all male prison. Like, exactly. Are there, any women in the movie? <laughs> there is a woman on the bus um, when Brooks is going back to uh, real life. She doesn't talk. She's just in the background. Well, there's a woman at the at the grocery store who talks to him. That's true. Double bag this. Double bag this. That's true. But still, is a cashier woman. Yeah. Does she talk? But she's talking to him, right? She doesn't talk to. She probably woman. she probably doesn't have a name. So. So yeah, but but not to get sidetracked. <laughs> that was more of just a throwaway con. I, I think this movie's great. Um, and, I mean, honestly, after I was watching this movie in my living room uh, last night, in fact, and after I completed it, I I sat there with the credits rolling. I, I watched the credits till the end, and yeah. I thought to myself, this might be the best movie I've ever seen. Really? It's compelling from front to back. I mean, that, like you said, it's two hours, 20 minutes. If It just flies by. At no point yeah. are you like, wow, why is this movie taking so long? It's just, you know, it, sh- it has something to say for every minute. Um, mm. Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman just are absolute savants uh, in, in this <laughs> film. Like, it just especially Morgan Freeman. I, I, I'm not actually super familiar with all of his work. I know that... He's done a lot of stuff yeah. throughout his well, career. Well, he was in Seven, which we wa- which we watched too. So right, right. But I I feel like this has to be one of the high points of his career, just from a mm. performance standpoint. He's he's absolutely amazing, and the movie leans heavily on him, uh, not only to be a feature actor, but also to provide that uh, you know that amazing you know caramel Luscious sweet <laughs> Morgan Freeman narration you know so it's <laughs> i really enjoy that um i mean it, it's the movie starts with absolute hopeless despair and drags you through years of ups and downs and finishes with payoff after payoff it's just it's just so well put together and well planned mm-hmm. out morgan freeman like i said before he's a, just an amazing narrator like probably like i i would i don't know enough narration to be able to say this with any certainty but i i in my experience, Morgan Freeman is the best narrator out there. Uh, it it does. I think the movie does a good and maybe somewhat inconsistent, but still a really good job of showing prison as as a hell on earth. Um, so much that you even feel bad for the people who are there, who are I know they're all innocent, but they're rightly there. But you still feel bad for them, and you feel tremendous grief uh, for Andy once you find out that he's truly innocent and he's yeah. been sentenced to be there for forever for two forevers in fact uh yeah. the the title shawshank redemption i think is really fitting andy goes from complete 
loser, which in, in a sense that bad things happen to him, like unbelievably bad things happen to him, like his, from his wife cheating on him to being convicted of two homicides that he didn't do. So, I mean, he goes from there to just unrivaled genius hero, which like <laughs> overcoming spectacular uh, roadblocks to achieve this victory in the end uh in the way that the victory is is achieved the reveals are so well executed and bring this legendary movie to an unforgettable conclusion uh that left me as the audience not only satisfied but somewhat changed uh this is truly a glorious film yeah i think the twist really kind of like benefits this movie a lot you know i think it like you you're it's framed a certain way and everything and then you find out that he had this kind of plan going for, you know, decades. Yes. And it, um, I mean, it comes together perfectly. I mean, he gets like, I mean, it's almost a perfect retribution, right? And, like, and well, especially because, uh, like I've, I noticed in the movie, some things where I was like, Oh, I've heard of this. Like, I, hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a family guy episode that kind of, um, heavily references Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I'm sure. And I, didn't know that when I saw the episode of Family Guy. So there were actually times where I was like, oh, this is, Family Guy did this. But yeah. I truly came to, at this movie from uh, a place of like no prior knowledge, which made those reveals, which made those twists uh, land as effectively as they would have in the in the theater. And I was totally blown away. Right. Yeah, it definitely is like a very cinematic movie. I mean, it's it's a, it's almost like a, a, a movie lover's movie in a way. Yes. Because I mean, it's just because it's so... There's a lot of depth to it. It's it's dark, but it's filled with all this, like it, it's filled to the brim with a penetrating and, and depressing tone. Um, but it's it's contrasted with Andy and his whole character, who like you experience this undying, unwavering light of hope that that is him. Um, the the acting itself, I think, really elevates the movie. I mean, throughout this. Normally, when I'm writing these reviews or whatever, I usually refer to the characters by their actors' names because I can't think of them any other way. Yes. But in this, I'm thinking of them as the as the character names. I'm always thinking of like Tim Robbins as Andy and uh, Morgan Freeman as Red. I mean, it's just the the acting brings you in so seamlessly. You never you never breaks the 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 fourth wall. Never like breaks the immersion for you, which is uh, an incredible feat, I think, especially nowadays when you're kind of you know so much more critical about these things i think this movie holds up today because first there's a twist at the end and second because the acting is just so incredible that you know and never you you never leave the movie you're always going to be um transported to this a story right now i mean especially a guy like morgan freeman who is so transcendent of all media he he right. is you know he's morgan freeman he's he's god you know but yeah he's, in 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 the context of this film he never stopped being red right and I thought, exactly I, in every other movie morgan freeman is morgan freeman yep. in this movie he's red and i i think that's a that's a huge thing and although this movie isn't really an ensemble movie it's really only focusing on two characters but there's all the other characters around them have this kind of feeling and realness to them and you can see them as more complex than criminals. I think it's, that's just as simple as putting them in that setting. You know, you put them in prison, so you know they must have done something. But then you give them their own personalities. They're not just bad people. They're not just out for a fight or anything. You know, they have complex emotions and they have feelings and, and all these other problems that they deal with. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking watching them go through their lives like this. You know, 
and seeing that you know these are real people who are never going to get a chance to live again. Yeah, and, and they really do. They're not just you know cardboard cutouts of criminals. They're all you know slightly unique in their own way, and they change. Yeah. And spending time with a guy as amazing as Andy changes them. They go from betting on who's going to break down to you know helping each other collect the rocks to make the chess set. You know, and, and like <laughs> yeah, they they do. They are dynamic even in their smaller roles. Definitely. Um, and the story is really engaging and rich. Um, I love the way that time moves through this movie. It, just through the dialogue, you find out how time is moving. You see like the, the makeup is real subtle, but it's it's really nice because you see the actors aging before your eyes. And the months, years, and decades just like float by and, and nothing changes. Same prisoners, the same guards, the same warden. There's no ref without any reference, the outside world just slips by so easily as time stands still in Shawshank. I think okay, so I think the weakest part of this movie is how the prison is portrayed. You know, perhaps this is accurate to 1947, but for my understanding, I mean, I've never been to prison. I've never visited a prison. My only interaction with prison is through movies and TV, but my understanding is, like, things are far worse now. However, like, as that part of the movie ages, the prison as a metaphor becomes more prevalent in the way that I've been, I engaged with it this time. I think Andy Dufresne's situation is analogous to situations we all face. An impossible task, an insurmountable hardship. In a single night, Andy's life is demolished, just like you know, you mentioned. Like, his wife is killed. I mean, she cheated on him, then she's killed, then he's locked away forever. You know, the, the life that he spent years building is, is gone well, he's, in a moment. Yeah, and he's clearly very highly educated. I mean, that's tragic when yeah. anybody's life gets destroyed like that wrongfully. But, I mean, especially for a guy like him who spent obviously spent so much time building the life he had to have it stolen away like that. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's just left to pick up the pieces in the worst place imaginable, but he never falters and he makes it through the whole thing totally clean. You know, I think we can learn, I think we can all learn something about how Andy acts in this movie. We can all draw hope from it. And not just the people in the story who draw hope from it at the end of the story. You draw hope from his, you know, whole predicament and how he acted through it. It's not just um his it's not just like oh he's a incredible guy it's like his behavior and his attitude toward the situation that i think is admirable and worth replicating in your own way and so yeah i think on the surface this movie is really about prison escape but i think it's really about escaping the prison of your mind you never settle like never settling and never losing focus and yeah i think humans are really good at adapting to any situation but you can see in this movie how that's kind of a bad thing right brooks and red you know the the prison slowly steals their lives away and we'll get into that in a second later but you know the, like their their will to live is just stolen right from inside them and they resign themselves to being nothing to being at the whim of an abusive uncaring and cruel system forever um and you know when they when they finally leave i mean when brooks leaves and even when red leaves like they have nothing right you know red or Brooks is like arthritis in his hands and everything. He can't do anything except for bag groceries and stuff. I mean, but he's an old man. Like he's had nowhere to go. It's. I mean, it's it's crazy how like the that I feel like is one of the cruelest things oh, yes. is how Brooks is let go back into society with this idea that he's free now. But really, like, what is this freedom? It's it's nothing. He has nothing now. Yeah. I've... Before he had he had at least the people around him. You know. Yeah, Red said he should have died in here. He should have died right. at Shawshank. I don't know. It's it's, it's uh, such a... Like, 
how did you get to that point? <laughs> you know, like how does your life get so terrible that that like dying in prison would be better than being a free man? Oh man, that made me so sad. Just specifically that little sequence as like mm. when he leaves, like saying goodbye to Jake and then going out into the real world. Like <laughs> poor Jake. I mean, for him, it was the cars, right? That was like the big technological change where he's like, I, yeah. I think I saw a car once, but like now they're everywhere and everybody's in a big hurry. Uh, mm. And then he's like, he sucks at his job, which in itself is depressing. And like, also I'm sure you don't get a lot of slack being an ex con, especially being no. so like having been in jail for so long, he must've done something really bad. Uh, and then he goes and feeds the birds, hoping that Jake will return, dude. Like oh, that's so sad. That was so incredibly sad. Like, I, I, my heart definitely broke uh, for Brooks in that scene. And then like all the other stuff, the psychological stuff, like trouble sleeping, and then suicidal thoughts. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm glad that he yeah. at least left his mark on that like apartment, or like had enough respect for himself to be like, I was here at least. <laughs> that's you know, that's what I said. I said. The only la- Brooks was here. The only lasting mark Brooks made on the outside world. Yeah, even though he was like kind of a legend within the prison, he was so yeah. old. I-, I wondered how he survived that long, like without getting like crippled. Shanked. Yeah, shanked or crippled or anything like that. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. That I was- don't know. He just had it's a level of respect. You know, he's a librarian or whatever. He's a fixture in other people's lives. Yeah. Well, I um, one of the things that I like kind of liken this to real world was ah, uh, was it? It was one of the rappers. It was like Lil Boozy. I think it was Lil Boozy. And, uh, That's a real guy's name, Lil Boozy. <laughs> yeah. You didn't just make that up. I didn't. Uh, but I, it, I, it might not be. There's all these Lil whatevers. There's Lil, lots of Littles out there. I think we'll, I'll say Lil Boozy. And if, if any rap fans in our who are listening can correct me, please tweet at me. But I'm pretty sure it's Lil Boozy, and he was famous for being quoted uh when he got out of prison finally he was like hanging out with all these people and he's a famous rapper so like he's going into a lavish lifestyle outside of prison and uh one of his friends they were like filming him just fresh out of prison and one of his friends friends was like hey take this like take a selfie with me and he was like a selfie what that is like he had no idea what a selfie was because he had been cut off from the Uh, outside he's lucky in that regard (laughs) But you know that's how it is, dude. When you're in there for so long, like the world changes well, like, without you. I mean, I mean, Brooks was in there for 50 years. I mean, that's that is a, a ludicrous amount of time. That's it's difficult to imagine. Yeah, for sure. But like, I mean, that was 1947. You know, 1950s ish. You know, technology was moving, an industrial revolution and everything, but it wasn't moving like it is today. Oh, sure, you know? but like, but it was also moving faster than ever before. Still, you know, so like, yeah, it, it, yeah. obviously, so like unbelievably shocking to come out finally after but like that. i mean there's people that were went to jail like in the early 90s who are getting out now and it's like like suddenly the internet exists and people have cell phones i mean that's like that's like you're living in the future all of a sudden yeah you know? like how does that happen i don't know dude like that would be interesting actually to do like scientific studies on people who have not used the internet for the last 15 their years. first reaction to memes <laughs> or to see what their reactions are to just life without yeah. having their their nose in a phone all the time man i think about this all the time where it's like what if i just went a month without looking at a screen like what if i went a mm. whole month without looking at anything any, any sort of screen without it what like how would i change would my mind like <laughs> com- would my mind go completely blank like would i i, I don't know and it doesn't i don't know doesn't, there's there's these arguments for like low information diets yeah where people like will stop looking at the news and stuff Break away from phones and screens and things. I don't know. I think it's impossible to be a person without 
looking at a screen. I mean, it would be impossible to do my job if I yeah. didn't have a screen. But, like, I could cut myself off in other ways. I mean, I could get a dumber phone. You could go to you know, prison. Could, you could go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like the opposite end of that spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Okay, do you want to move to the quotes? Um, yeah, well, actually, I think oh, I, may have, I may have taken you off course here because we were talking about, like, how cruel the the prison system is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so to finish that up, uh, Andy is, like, the exact opposite. Tim Robbins' character shows that he is, like, this bright light um, that also never changes, but he never gives up he, and he never surrenders. When the system wrongs him, he gets angry and he forges ahead. He becomes more determined in his actions he doesn't grow like he may grow quiet but he's never defeated um and yeah i I mean he's wrongfully convicted of this crime you know he's beaten and raped in prison he's even locked in solitary for two months which is like i can't imagine doing that i I can't imagine staying in one room for one day like for two months yeah but but still like you see his will is never broken he's he never gives up he never loses hope it, and that's, uh, I mean, it's incredible. It's inspiring. It's what makes yeah. him a hero, you know? It, and it's and it's so totally supported by, you know, Tim Robbins' incredible acting. You know, you wouldn't, if if it was anyone else or if, if it wasn't so well done, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it, you know? Yeah. But the the way he just carries himself and everything, you just you just know, like, in your soul that this is how this guy acts. It's, it's, it's it, powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of has that, like lanky wiry frame like he just kind of seems otherworldly just a little mm. bit you know he's obviously a person but it's like he's there's something about him that just like makes him stick out and and yeah i don't i don't like i don't know it's so weird how how do they do that how do you train an actor to act like that i don't know what is it that red says about him wearing a coat um it's like he had an invisible coat that he would shield that would shield him from this place but yeah. that was really interesting yes and it's uh right it's like how do you tell an actor you know act like you're wearing an invisible coat that shields you from prison like i don't know how you would but he does he pulls it off and i honestly um this is my second time seeing a tim robbins film the other one obviously being the hudsucker proxy which we did an episode on way back also highly recommend yes and it's a great movie and he kind of does the same thing there where he's kind of above like the corporate uh minutiae and he's Mm. just this optimistic bright mind and and, in here he obviously it's very different and a little bit more like real but yeah. still the same thing he has that way about him that makes him stick out and it's it's great i honestly after just seeing the hudsucker proxy would not have cast him robbins for this role uh, right. but i'm glad i wasn't in charge because he's, he's <laughs> yes he does such a good job very good job so, i'm surprised he's not in more things because of it he's i mean he's still working to this day but well i'm surprised like, he's not like I guess maybe just in my own experience, I haven't heard people reference him as this legendary actor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's I'm a, gonna consider him on the A list, if you will. Agreed. Yeah. If I if I saw him on the street, I would definitely lose my uh, lose my cool. Um, but you definitely go like you like put your arms in the air and say and start laughing or crying or whatever. I'd uh, like, I, no, I'd start just start hula hooping. Obviously, Hudsucker <laughs> 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 proxy reference there. Okay, so. Uh, there are there's a couple of cool things I noticed in this movie that I just wanted to mention. Uh, there's actually two gifts that I mm. didn't know the source of that I that I I just remembered one now. Um, that 
uh, that's actually something a phenomenon that I've noticed because there, there's a lot of movies that I've never seen. Obviously, I haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. It's like, where have I been, right? So, like, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen, and I think it's, <laughs> where have you been in prison? Right, exactly. And like this, this podcast is a good way for me to catch up. But I've noticed there's you know there's a lot of famous gifts that come from these famous movies. You know, it's pop culture. That's that's the you should source. Coin of the a term stuff. for that. They should, and and you could yell it whenever you you realize it. Anyways, <laughs> I'm, I, let me get to it. So the, okay. the the first one that I noticed these they actually kind of happened at the same time when the uh, warden pulls back the poster and you and your the camera is inside of the hole going in reverse and you see the warden and morgan freeman look down the hole i've uh i saw that was a uh, first off an amazing shot in the second uh a a somewhat highly used gif that i was like oh it's from this movie you know i (laughs) I should i should have known because it's morgan freeman but i didn't know about the twist i didn't know why there would be a hole in the wall um and then uh, the standing in like the rain with their hands up. That's definitely a popular class that I've seen. Before Very too. iconic image. I mean, that's on the, I think it might be in the poster and on the, um, the box and stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, which uh, yeah, another amazing, like just powerful scene. Um, and then so this other one, a little bit more recent or maybe a little more memorable, uh, when they're showing off like the transformation of the library and mm. uh you know they're, they're building it and organizing the books and cracking wise and then you see the library when it's completed and there's a bunch of guys in there and uh the guy who looks like willem dafoe is sitting at the at the record player listening to hank williams and the song he's listening to is lovesick blues and this is important because the Walmart yodeling boy became famous for oh singing lovesick blues in a Walmart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I instantly I mean if you it's the the part in the movie is the part that is famous in Walmart. Yeah. And uh it, it's kind oh, of amazing. Yeah, Hank Williams an absolute <laughs> legend and uh still influencing culture today. Still, yeah. So it, it's it's pretty cool. So I thought those were some pretty neat easter eggs there. That's cool. Okay, so um, moving on to our quotes section, this movie is highly quotable. There's so yes. much amazing dialogue. I mean, so there's so many sequences, honestly, where Morgan Freeman is just telling you what's happening, and you could, I could listen to that voice all day <laughs> long. Uh, but here are some of our favorites. Um, we're going to start with this one. But I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First you hate them. And you get used to them. Enough time passes. You get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. Which I think is a one of the more, for me, is one of the most powerful ideas that comes out of this film. Is this, well, just, or, or maybe just thought-provoking ideas. Mm. Is that prison is... Uh, less of a solution for these people and more of just the end they go in there and that's there's no plan for them outside of just being in prison and they get to the point many of them i mean at least tim i mean at least andy right he's um got two life sentences you know he's never getting out right and actually back then wasn't a life sentence 60 years i have no idea i'm pretty sure it was i think a life sentence now is like what like 40 years i'm uh i don't know i i well because I thought that it became the rest of your life. <laughs> I always thought that too until I learned that it wasn't. Um, quick Google search. Life sentence is the name of a show. <laughs> Length. Let's see. 
Life sentence in a prison typically that lasts for one's lifetime. However, an individual may be able to receive a sentence that could potentially allow them to be released at some point. For example, a judge may impose a sentence of 30 years to life with a chance of parole. So... Life sentence without the possibility of parole, life without mercy is called a determinate life sentence because of a sentence of 15 years of life means it's a life sentence with non-parole period of 15 years. Okay. Okay, so... Okay, so it's like they say 15 years to life means you have at least 15 years. After 15 years, you're uh, you're eligible for parole, which means you can leave under condition. Okay, but you're still tracked by the state or the right whatever. The uh, uh, I typed in how long is life sentence, and one of the people also asked questions: How long is two life sentences? <laughs> <laughs> A defendant may be eligible for parole after a set number of years, like 25, but even where the sentence is life without possibility of parole, consecutive life sentences may serve a practical purpose. Okay. Okay. Well, so yeah, yeah it, it is the rest of your life, I guess. Right. And, um, right. And, and, and like, it's basically a death sentence. Uh, it's like they give you, I guess a life sentence isn't the best way to put it because some of these guys are just in there for a long time, but uh, it, it's like, you 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 have a place to put all the bad people and then that's it that's where they're at and then what happens to them after is more or less an afterthought right which is a frustrating idea yeah it it, it is and i mean i don't know what this means like does this mean like they didn't want to take care of these old guys you know because at a certain point they're going to be more trouble than they're worth in a way right mm -hmm. like they'll, they'll need some sort of medicine or they'll need doctors or something and you know why not kick them out and let them take care of it themselves, even though they definitely can't. So like if, if it's from that perspective, it's even more cruel because they're just like, Oh, you know, we're going to, you know, feed and clothe you for 50 years. And then we're going to kick you out on the street for the worst part of your life. You know? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like you go to prison to pay your debt to society. Mm. But, um, if, is there even a point if you just pay your entire existence? Like at the end of it, like you're, you don't want to, obviously you don't want to incentivize going to prison. Uh, you know, you don't want to make it seem like it's this good thing, but at what point does it have just diminishing returns? It's like, uh, yeah, really it's like, what do they have anything? to lose at that point? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a terrifying situation for sure. Keeps me out of prison. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. My quote is. Haven't you ever felt that way about music? Well, I play the main harmonica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget? Yeah, for, forget that there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone, that there's a... There's something inside that they can't get to that they, they can't touch it's yours what are you talking about hope hope let me tell you something my friend hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane it's got no use on the inside you better get used to that idea 
like Brooks did. So I think this is, I mean, this is kind of the quintessential quote of this movie. I mean, the whole movie is really about hope, and it becomes very clear at this point, um, like what what it's really about. And you see how the 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 prison is transformed by Andy, and how he his hope his his like way of living and and his hopeful demeanor kind of elevates the rest of the prisoners to think in a way that he does at least in a way at least a little bit for for red in this moment i think i think red like red says hope is a dangerous thing i think he's totally wrong well maybe not totally wrong i think hope can be a dangerous thing but i think that's also what keeps you alive in a way you know i think when he gets used to the idea at this point he's starting to get used to the idea of being in prison he's getting used to the idea of being institutionalized and that's why Andy comes right back with like Brooks did right well he's he's saying that no hope is just as dangerous if not more yeah exactly and and you know Red is losing hope you can see that right there and you know Andy Andy gives him something to hope for at the very end you know he says when you get out of prison, I need you to do one thing for me. And he doesn't tell him what it is because he knows that, like, that Red has one last mystery to solve, you know, and he's going to go after it and try and find it. And that's, I mean, that could be it. That could be enough to, to save his life um, and keep him from going down the same path that Brooks did. I think, I think this is really interesting because I think it shows just how affected Andy was by Brooks's death and how he was so, it became so clear to him, what, like, what kind of danger he was in. Is not just like a slow death, but like a you know a crushing of his will. Well, it's I mean I think at that point, in the moment, it doesn't seem true because uh, you hear Morgan Freeman, and I love to hear what Morgan Freeman has to say. So I'm <laughs> you know I I'm tempted to listen to him when he says that hope is dangerous and that you yeah. should abandon it, just accept that you're in there, and then that's it. But I think Brooks is proof that you really have no other option but to hope. Right. If you don't, if you don't make it out, then you don't make it out, and that's the same fate as if you'd given up. But having hope uh, gives you another chance. As long, you know, every moment you don't give up hope is a moment closer, you know, yeah. to potentially fulfilling it. And I think that kind of hammers home this idea as the prison of the mind, like prison as a metaphor, you know, um, because hope is definitely an internal thing. It's a thing that's within you it's it's not just a it's like something that happens to you right it's something that you choose to to follow something that you choose to accept or or whatever so it's it's that turning point in your head that is the point where you become institutionalized or when you lose hope it's not like you get to a certain point and then you automatically lose it right it's it's constantly fighting this battle within this prison of the mind that keeps you alive well yeah and and the way that they were talking about routine how prison is a routine mm. and um since i got out of college and joined the real world my life has been extremely uh routine, routine. <laughs> more routine than ever before well maybe as routine as it was when i was in public school and it is a little bit horrifying to have <laughs> that be so similar to life at shawshank yeah uh, but i also think that the message here is a little bit the same you know, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, not to give up, to, to keep, to keep, uh, soldiering on. That's right. Uh, yeah. So here is my, uh, our, our, this is our third quote here that okay. we want to talk about. I almost forgot. I'd hate to deprive you of this. 
Salvation lies within. Yes, sir. So this one was freaking awesome because once you find out, like watching this scene again, that like the the scene where they flip Andy's uh cell his cell is so sad, like it's so amazing once you know what actually happens because he's so cool under pressure because they're digging through all this stuff and they even talk about the poster being like unacceptable but andy uses his his uh, knowledge of the bible to get on the get on the warden's soft side let him leave the poster up yeah and he even hands the bible to the <laughs> warden and it has the rock hammer inside of it and to top it off the warden says salvation lies within as he hands him back the bible i mean that's yeah that's Poetic. chilling yes <laughs> Just fantastic, <laughs> especially because Andy did cut out like a space for it inside that book, which means that he had to like read the Bible and memorize it before, or at least have a pretty good knowledge of it. <laughs> or a it. second Bible. Or yeah, it's true. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he did his his homework and he was able to, you know, Impress quote the, the warden right yeah, back at him. Yeah, good. it's a very important. That was and, a good uh, quote too. Can you imagine if he got it wrong or if that warden was like, "Is that it? Let me check." Yeah, let you me know? check when we open this up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was that was pretty risky, but I oh, mean that, I that was the best way to hide it. I think. I mean, he knows like the warden. As soon as the warden sees the Bible, he's gonna be like, "Oh, this guy, yes. you know, this guy knows what's important." Well, especially because there's only one yeah. rule. There's, there's only one rule, and that's no blasphemy. Yes. Well, in the in the the warden doesn't need to open the Bible. He knows it's in there. So yeah. I think it's a pretty genius. Place Does he to know hide it's it. in there though? He's kind of a crooked dude. Crooked dude. <laughs> maybe he's memorized it, but he hasn't internalized it, or uh, he doesn't maybe understand it, um, or maybe chooses to ignore it. He's he was a pretty wicked guy himself, the warden. Um, which because when during the scene, the first watch through, I was like, oh, this warden isn't as bad as he seems. You know, you play by the rules, you scratch his back, he'll scratch yours, nope. and he's not, not. He's not like uh, Mama and. Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> he's not like Mama in Chicago at all. Definitely uh, not. So no. it's. Uh, I just thought that was a tremendous scene. I would actually be interested to watch the entirety of this movie again. I, I went back to some of my favorite scenes, but uh, just to see what what you notice ha- when you know the ending already. Yeah, like yeah. I, I wonder if you can ever see like rocks falling out of Andy's pants. I was looking. I didn't see anything. There wasn't any shots of just his shoes. You know. I mean, yeah. how often do you look at a man's shoes? Yes, good point. <laughs> Salient point right there. But, uh, okay. So, Joey, I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper. All right, so I got a couple different things to talk about. First of all, I think this movie is really interesting. It's beautiful in a lot of ways. And this is something that I've kind of noticed uh, like as we've been doing this podcast, too. But... Um, there are certain stories, and this is one of them, where it's the story itself is so masterfully told, and it it forces you to talk about it in kind of just one way. You know, the the technically it's really proficient, and there's a lot of stuff in here that's really iconic. But it's really the drama and the characters that make this movie a masterpiece, and that's the thing you end up talking about every time. You know, is you don't talk about oh this is a cool shot as much as you do about how Andy acts and like what he does and everything. Maybe that's just my interpretation. But it definitely seems like with a movie like this, it forces you to engage with the concept and the story itself. I agree. I, I don't think there's it's like 
bad cinematography or anything like that. I think no. in all ways, uh, the score, the uh, like, just sound, dialogue, everything together is at least proficient, if not you know above average. Uh, but I think you're right. There are some main things that this movie forces you into focusing on. Yeah. Okay. So move right past that. <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about is how time is portrayed in this movie. And I kind of came to this um, realization after reading Roger Ebert's review of this movie. Um, so Who's Roger Ebert? He's a famous uh, film critic. Okay. He we may have talked Cicel. about him before. He's I've read a few of his reviews for other movies. He's really good. He has a website that's still up kept. I'm not sure if he's even still alive yet, but he has a really, really good uh, documentary, biopic about his life. Okay. Um. Yeah, this movie plays with time in a like, very interesting way. You see the characters get older right before your eyes, and you can hear through Red's narration just how much time is being passed. You know, like I said earlier, you know, months and years and decades just kind of float right by without any kind of, you know, there's no title card, there's no like, ooh, see the clock move or anything like that. You know, the calendar is or, or is, the leaves change, yeah, and then, or like, like uh, you know, marks in the wall or something are, are yeah. adding up. There's nothing like that. The only way you can tell that time is moving is Red's memory. Um, and yet the setting and the characters don't change at all. And I think, okay, there's a couple of exceptions to this. So Andy's cell, for example, becomes more decorated with posters and little rock things. Brooks and Tommy are missing from the story after they die. Um, and there's another change, a more subtle one, which is happening to Red. And we kind of talked about this. You see him becoming more institutionalized. You see him losing his will. You see him becoming the same person that Brooks was. And he doesn't believe he can survive in the outside anymore. What's interesting is like during his parole hearings, you see that he becomes more and more bitter and he starts thinking that the whole parole thing and rehabilitation in general is kind of a, a joke. It's just a charade that's meant to jerk him around and, you know, make him feel like he should be working towards something, but he's never going to achieve it. But also he's terrified of what will happen once he, if he ever gets parole, right? He's an old man now. He's frail and slow and the world has left him behind. However, Andy, like the prison itself, remains steadfast and unchanging. He continues to be determined and full of hope. If there's if anything, anything, these qualities are amplified by his time in prison. He doesn't diminish. He doesn't fade. He just becomes brighter. The, his expressions are difficult to read. He's, he says, like, oh, my wife said I was a closed book. And I think that's, that's we can agree on that. You know, he harbors a secret for, like, 30 years or like how long is he in prison 19 years 30 19 years, years. 19 yep. years he's, he's he gets there in 1947 he escapes in 1966 so he yeah he's in the prison for 19 years and he has a secret that he's going to escape for basically that entire time and not even any nobody else you know even success suspects anything red has no idea even though he sees him every single day um and you know, at the end, like, you know, all the other, all of his friends are like, "Are he, is he going to kill himself?" Like, right? He's he does such a good job of masking it that yeah. people think that he's on the verge of suicide. Right, and like, I think this kind of shows like how they, even at this point, they don't know if they know Andy. You know, Andy is so reserved and within himself that nobody can penetrate that, and nobody can tell if this is something ridiculous that he's going to do. Like, nobody knows, and even Red can't be certain about that, but. As time passes, you as the audience become like better understand Andy. You see that Andy isn't the one changing, but you kind of understand how he acts and like what he's doing. You see that with the interaction with Tommy, right? You see how he's you know, he's very 
patient and, and he kind of acts like he doesn't care. You know, he kind of acts aloof and everything, but you can tell that he really does care. And when Red says, oh, like, he's very proud of you. He's very, you know, you can see through the other, other characters' dialogue that, you know, Andy really does, it does feel strongly about this. And, you know, Tommy is his, his new project and he's, he's very passionate about it. But you can't see that because, you know, Andy's very closed in that way. He, he plays it real cool. Very cool. Very calm and stoic. Um, and I think that single-mindedness that he's kind of harboring this whole time really pays off. I think it's, it's like this whole idea of how time is passing in this movie is really unique to a, a movie set in prison. Even though the world moves on, the prison remains as it's always been. And it's only Anding, Andy that leaves a lasting impression. It's only when an unchanging and harsh environment meets an unstoppable force, like Andy, that things actually evolve. I like that. I, I do think he's an unstoppable force. It's uh, it's one of my favorite aspects of who he is, is like the tremendous uh, hurdles he has to go over. I mean, especially like the, 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 the sisters. Dealing with the yeah. sisters was just, on top of everything else, that's just like, that that would have been the final straw for a weaker for a weaker man, but yeah, but he he never stops fighting. You know, in in all those situations, you see him and he's he's constantly fighting the entire time. And he's like hitting people and and telling them that he's gonna clamp down with like once they kill him and stuff. Like it's it's, I mean, he's just never he never stops and he never lets any any of that stuff get to him, um, which is incredible. What was that guy's name? Gorge Bore, or Box. Boggs, okay. <laughs> Good old Boggs. No, bo- bad old Boggs, dude. He, uh, <laughs> although this movie definitely, like, it, it obviously gets you to hate Boggs, but I took no pleasure in the scene where he gets crippled. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just overall, the, the prison just seemed like a terrible place for everyone. Yeah, like, he, he gets, yeah, he goes into his cell and there's Hadley waiting for him and he just beats him within an inch of his life. Yeah, and, well, you know that that's, the, that could be the case for anybody. Yeah. You know, this is the second time we've seen somebody have their life completely changed by being beat by one of the people that works at the prison. Yeah. Like, ah. Well, the Hallie definitely kills one guy outright too. So. Yeah. The fat. The fat. <laughs> well, that guy. He also kills Tommy though. He shoots Tommy. Uh, oh well. Yeah. True. So, <laughs> yeah. This isn't. Yeah. And and it's just. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you can. I mean, in in Bog's case, in the in the fat guy's case. Both of those, like you, you could argue he wasn't trying to kill them, right? And he but only he does. <laughs> yeah, he does exactly. He does. So it's it's right. So and, and so Andy to go up against things like that that are yeah. like just so uh, you know it's it's it breaks your spirit just watching it. it definitely, but it doesn't break Andy's. And I think Andy, uh, there's there's a whole other aspect to Andy like of respect that I want to get into too, because. He he's very respectful of his fellow prisoners. He treats them with kindness and dignity, and as long as they return that sentiment, you know he's he continues that. He's also really respectful of the guards. He offers assistance to Hadley, putting himself in great danger, but that risk has almost immediate rewards. Um, and he even tries to attempt he attempts to reason with the warden once he finds out there's more to his case than previously thought. But and he tries to speak to him as if like they're equals, which horrifies the warden. And gets Andy into big trouble, but you know Andy sees it like, oh, we're just here, you know, like I, like I, maybe I don't belong here or anything, but it's your job to like take care of me and stuff. Like we, we should be on the same side, but that's, but the warden doesn't see it like that. The warden sees him as like better than the prisoners, and I think this kind of mentality of us versus them is kind of prevalent throughout this movie, although not 
really explicitly. The guards hate the prisoners, and the prisoners hate the guards. But Andy treats each of them with dignity and respect. He treats them as individuals instead of as a class. Like, for example, when Deacons, the, the guard, shows up and asks him for financial help, the first thing that Andy does is sit both of them down so that they're kind of equals at the same table. You know, and they're like the same height and the way that the camera is shot and everything, they're sitting equally, you know. And they, at that point, they stop being a prisoner or guard and start being a, someone trying to help another person. And Andy also treats himself with respect. You know, he's unwavering in his determination. And he's confident in himself. He doesn't beat himself up for mistakes of the past. He doesn't blame anyone else except for maybe Elmo Hatch for his own predicament. Um, but he, he tries to just make the best of it. He fights for his he fights for his dignities against the sisters, and he never gives in. I think Andy is kind of the uh, epitome of this uh, adage that I really like. I used to say to myself all the time, um, "The grass is always greener on the other side." You know, thinking like, "Oh, you know, once you're used to a certain situation, you always think that there would be another situation that'd be better for you." Yeah. But someone recently said something to me that changed my whole perspective on that. It said, "Yes, maybe maybe the grass is greener on the other side, but the grass is greenest where you water it." Wow, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, like take take uh, take responsibility for your own situation. Yeah, you, you can know, make it better. Influence it. Yeah, I and actually. It, yeah. Well, I, I I when we were planning this episode, we were potentially going to bring back our uh, beloved segment, uh, what we learned from this movie, and I think that that would fit right in there. And, and one of the ones that I was going to put in there was, uh, you know if you make yourself useful, you can get away with a lot more. I mean, Andy never stops being a prisoner, but the stuff he gets away with, the stuff that he's allowed to do is not typical (laughs) prisoner behavior. Yeah. I mean, he does, I mean, financial statements and everything is very intimate, personal thing. And he has his hands all over all of that. Right. So it's, uh, I think there's something to be, to be learned there is that, you know, it's maybe bad, but make yourself useful, do something. Uh, influence your current situation. I think Andy's a great example of that. Definitely. Uh, actually, one of the things that he, he doesn't necessarily get away with, but I think we have to talk about if we're going to talk about this movie, because one of my favorite parts was the music scene. Oh, yeah. Where Andy locks the one uh, guard in the bathroom, and then he locks the door to the office, and he blasts the, uh, I think it's the Marriage of Figaro uh, over the, uh, it's it's <laughs> opera, right? But and everybody stops to listen to it, and we kind of touched on this idea earlier of like the despair and the depression being leveraged to make these bright moments even more beautiful. And I, yeah. I think that I mean it's an iconic scene. I because they I think they reference it in that Family Guy episode as well. But where all the guards stop to listen to it, and uh, and it's yeah, just, and, it's, and Red says, and for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. Right. What a powerful thing to do. Like that's amazing that that Andy would go to that length, and then he went full like savage mode when the warden's <laughs> at the door. He's like, "Turn that off!" And he like looks straight into his eyes, and then grabs the knob and cranks the volume. Like, oh my gosh! Like yeah. he knew what he was gonna get in response yeah, but to like, that. But I think that's so cool. Like that's that's the way he's rebelling. You know, he's bringing music to the other. He's not causing a fight. He's not hurting other people. You know, he's. He's letting everyone else kind of feel something, and it's it's almost more cruel to have like the guards and everything take that down in a way. You know, it's like oh, you can't even have this. Yeah, and, and it's it's something so simple. It's something that any human outside of prison can enjoy anytime they want. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean scene. it's you're right, but it's it's a thing that you know you could argue they don't deserve anymore because all these mm-hmm. people are terrible criminals. Um, but 
that, that kind of leads me into my next uh, topic here, which is what does it mean to be rehabilitated? Mm. Well, I mean, Morgan Freeman definitely kind of pokes fun at this idea when he has this final uh, you know, meeting before those five people who determine if he's ready for parole or not. Yeah. But let's look at the results of the two people that we saw make it out of Shawshank after they're, when they were let out on parole. They like sucked at their job couldn't couldn't uh become a part of society very easily uh they and like they wanted to kill themselves or wanted to they they were tempted to commit crimes for the sole reason explicitly to get back into prison in fact that's what brooks is doing i felt like it maybe was a little bit unclear what why he was holding uh what's his name woods wood uh uh, um, woodhawk or whatever his name the guy who looks like willem dafoe yeah he's he's holding him at night at at, like at knife point making him bleed a little bit but it's not because he really has anything against him it's that he doesn't want to have to leave yeah you know and and that's crazy to think that somebody wouldn't want to leave prison like it's uh you know it's it's it doesn't seem like the intended outcome no of somebody like doing the time um and especially one one specific. I mean, you can you can talk about the idea of having somebody in prison for that long and doing nothing to prepare them to get back into the real world, but you can also talk about things that are just just detrimental to any human, and that's solitary confinement. And we get a little taste of that when Andy gets put in there for two months straight, which is mm. a ridiculously long time to be in solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is bonkers. Yeah. Have you uh, have you ever been to Alcatraz in? No, uh, San Francisco. I, if you're ever in San Francisco and looking for something super touristy to do, but it's like actually really cool, visit Alcatraz Island. It's really cool. The they have a uh, audio tour that you can take, and it like you're supposed to, you walk from point to point, and it like syncs up with the with the sound, and cool. uh, it really brings it alive. And 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 I kind of like that, like the grim spectacle of that maximum security kind of prison. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing about Alcatraz is you couldn't escape. Cause even if you got out of the prison, you have to swim across the freezing cold Bay and like no one's ever done it, you know? And, mm. and that's a whole thing, but specifically solitary confinement, which they had at Alcatraz is uh, it's borderline. No, I mean, it is torture. It, it's, it's, it's cruel and, un, and unusual tor- torture. Um, you know, you have, I mean, it, it like, there's so there's a huge long list of symptoms that come with this, but it's like hypertension, headaches, migraines, profuse sweating, dizziness, heart palpitations. Your uh, muscles will uh, like shrink, and uh, you'll just there's hallucinations yeah. and just a, a litany of mental illnesses that will last you forever. Uh, that come with that time in solitary confinement it's it's actually it's it's almost supernatural how much humans need each other and like that uh interaction and and to not be in the dark for two months straight Uh, i was actually that that was maybe a criticism i could have for this movie is that andy came out of that unscathed almost like he was obviously not happy about it but um it wouldn't be too far of a stretch to have him come out of there with some sort of uncontrollable mental illness. You know, he's lucky to have come out of it more, you know, it, it shows the strength Relatively of his will. Sane. Yeah. 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 It shows that his will, but, um, I almost wish that this movie had like an example of somebody being put in solitary for so long, uh, that they do lose their mind because that mm-hmm. was a, that was a, that's a common, uh, yeah. symptom of that kind of confinement. But there's a, um, really interesting, uh, minefield episode, the one, you know, Vsauce's, um, YouTube Red series. It's the very first one. I think it's free. 
even though the rest of it isn't. Um, it's about solitary confinement. And he talks about like being um, separated from the rest of humanity. And at the end of that episode, he spends three days in a room with nothing. Um, he has a bed, like water, toilet, and like soylent, which is like just nutrients, like a bottle of nutrients. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of um, it. Yeah, and it's it's crazy watching him go through this. And at the end, like he can't tell if he's dreaming or if he's awake. It's insane. Um, and Wait, is he in light the whole time? Yes, because what he he was going to do was have like I think he was going to have a night day night cycle, or he was going to be in like relative darkness or something, or soft lighting. But he talked to a guy who had been in solitary confinement in prison. And he went and saw the room that he was in, and that room had a fluorescent light that was just blazing the entire time. Oh my god! And he's like, "Okay, like to to really get this full experience, I'm going to keep that on so that just to see how this is." Yeah, it's a it's a um, very terrifying thing to think about, and it's it's like I mean I can't imagine not talking to anyone or being without stimulus for yes. even 24 hours, and to like be alone with my own thoughts for that long it's just like it's terrifying to to contemplate and to think about doing it for two months yes I, it's like yeah i can't imagine i mean you'll have um like here's some more symptoms you've got <laughs> severe and chronic depression appetite loss weight loss uh talking to yourself problem sleeping oh, of I course do like, i do that when i'm, a, when I'm around <laughs> other people <laughs> well if you've got if if you've got total darkness or total light i can definitely see how that would mess up your sleep like cycles yeah um but you also have oh th- these ones are like really terrifying too like self-mutilation difficulty thinking concentrating or remembering low just general lower levels of brain function like I know, again, prison is not a great solution to... I mean, it, it seems like a necessary solution to having like bad people, but this almost seems like over the top, yeah. you know, uh, where it's just like outrageous. And, and, I, and this movie does a good job of making it seem bad, but I think it could have shown it as even worse, more accurate to what it actually is. Um, so that was something truly terrifying. In Alcatraz, they were in total darkness, and one of the ways that one of the prisoners there stayed sane was he ripped a button off of his prison jumpsuit and he would like flip it into the air and it's in total darkness. And then he would go and find it and he'd get it again and flip it into the air. And then he'd crawl around on his hands and feet and try to find it again. He just did that endlessly (laughs) to give himself something to do. Uh, And that sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's actually illegal in some countries, solitary confinement, but not here. Uh, it is illegal for to, to do it to minors, but okay. uh, to juveniles, but it's not to do uh, adults are fair game. So anyways, prison is awful. And I, this movie doesn't make an argument for the system being good. Uh, okay. But on a, on a lighter note, let's yeah. move on to let's our escape final. escape a little bit. Yeah, let's escape into our final topic here for the deeper section. And that's the power of cinema as an escape. And I actually kind of was inspired by something I read on the uh, Wikipedia article for the Shawshank Redemption here. Uh, but so in the in the movie, the Shawshank Redemption, there's a scene where all the inmates are together watching the film Gilda, which is a film from 1946. And we see hardened criminals let loose and hoot and holler and at the sight of this beautiful young woman flipping her hair even the business oriented red can't be bothered to talk uh talk about a business deal with andy Mm. until uh you know so he can obtain that poster until red has seen his favorite part which is the the hair flip which i gotta 
I gotta give it to him. That is a pretty good hair flip. <laughs> it was um, a pretty good hair flip. Right. Oh, she enters the frame. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good intro. But the these men are using film, this film that they've seen so many times that Andy says that he even saw it like three times earlier that week as an escape from the reality of their situation. Um, when when Andy is assaulted by the sisters in the projector room, he uses a film reel to defend himself. So he's literally using a film to help him out of a bad situation. That's good. I like that. Which, yeah, I mean, it doesn't save him, but, you know, it's, it's more of the just a metaphor there. And in the end, Andy... This is like one of the more uh, obvious ones or the, the, the best metaphor, I think, is in the end, Andy escapes through a tunnel that's hidden behind a movie poster. Mm. He's literally using a film to escape uh, from his terrible reality. And I just think that's so powerful, especially because I've been spending so much time watching movies this year with us starting up this podcast and all that. And um, I think that it's definitely worth appreciating the the power uh that cinema has to to take you completely to a, a place that you've never been before um and in some for in, in some cases more importantly totally away from the reality of your current situation i think cinema is a is an amazing escape uh and this this movie is a great example of that i completely agree with that um i think this shows just like how a story can be told so well. I think there's one part where I mean we're talking about the the music thing. I think I may have said something along that, but let me find it. Um, when Andy gets out of the hole for playing the music, he says that's the beauty of music. They can't they can't take that away from you. Um, and I was immediately reminded this is just how movies can transport you to incredible situations, um, just the way music does in that situation. Um, and yeah, I mean, this movie puts you into that, into Shawshank Prison, um, and you feel all the emotions that your characters feel, but, you know, it's, you also get the relief of him escaping and all the justice that is served at the end, so, I don't know, it's it's incredible, and um, it definitely is kind of why I watch movies. Yep, I agree. It's, uh, especially when you see a good one like this, it gives you that feeling back and you're like, yes, this is what movies are capable of. You yeah. know, this is why I sit down and take a chance on a new one to, to see if they can give me this kind of feeling, exactly. this escape. So, obviously, we both really liked this movie. So, mm. it's time to give it our ratings. Joey, would you like to go first? Absolutely. Okay, ready? I give this movie 32 rocks. 16 alabaster and 16 soapstone. Wow, the perfect amount to create your own chessboard. I like it. I give this movie a 500-yard crawl through a tunnel of sheer, unadulterated cinema greatness. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that does it for Shawshank. Loved it. I can't believe I hadn't seen it. If you're somehow still here and you haven't seen it, you gotta sit down and see it. Um, if you know anyone who hasn't seen it, let them, you know, let them know no. what they're missing out on, <laughs> and then tell them to to listen to this. But uh, next, we are watching a uh, movie that was requested to us and uh, actually got some pretty good clout on Twitter after we retweeted the request. Uh, we're gonna be watching Bionicle Mask of Light. Oh uh, yeah, which. <laughs> It's a tight 70-minute film that we're really looking forward to watching. (laughs) I definitely don't own this movie, (laughs) but I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, Just like uh, we've said in previous episodes, we will review the movies that you submit to us. So if you've got one you want to hear us talk about, please hit us up on the Twitter, at AffableChat, or send us that email 
applechat at gmail.com. But yeah, so uh, I think that does it for this movie review. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to Affable Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to help us grow the podcast, share it, rate us five stars, and or write us a review. It really helps. Have a comment about something we said? Tweet at us at AffableChat or write us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.